Today's first Bible reading is from Matthew 9, verses 1 to 8, and that's on page 973 of the Church Bible. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought him to a paralyzed man laying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Know their thoughts. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up and take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. The second reading is coming from Psalm, Psalm 32. The whole of the psalm, only 11 verses. Psalm 32. Blessed is the man, uh, sorry, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave me. You forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. All right. Good morning, everyone. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm Courtney, um, one of the members of the 10 a.m. congregation uh, and one of the biggest kid at Illuminate. I mean, one of the leaders of Illuminate Youth here. Um, so today we're going to be looking at a bit of a, a cover-up, um, but first, how about I pray for us? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word uh, and for your love. Uh, 
and everything that you give to us uh, when we come to you for forgiveness. Lord, I pray that uh, you'll speak through me and open our hearts and our ears to hear what you have to say to us. Amen. Okay, so we're looking at a bit of a cover-up today. And there's loads of different cover-ups. I'm sure that uh, we all know various different stories of cover-ups that have happened throughout the ages. Uh, some political, some corporate, some just wild conspiracy theories, uh, and of course some silly cover-ups like the uh, old fine cotton there in the, the middle. Uh, as I was preparing this, um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine and they actually gave me a really good story uh, about their child trying to do a bit of a, a cover-up. See, they have a rule in their house uh, that there's no mobile phones allowed in bedrooms or no technology in bedrooms. Uh, so one night their child goes to, to bed and they're looking around and they see no mobile phone and they go, hmm, something's up here. So they go down, walk down the hall, knock on the, the son's bedroom door and goes, uh, where's your phone? And of course, the child being like any teenage boy goes, I don't know. So I'm sure those of us who are parents to teenagers with technology know what this person was going through, but this father's a bit smart. So he checked all the usual areas. He checked if it was on charge in the kitchen, checked if it was near the computer or anything like that, couldn't find it. So he said to the son, you, you sure you don't know where it is? No, no idea where it is. So the father said, that's okay. I've got my phone here. I'll just give it a ring and we'll see if we can find it together. So sure enough, dials the phone number. Next thing under the blanket comes this little ringing noise. Son, of course, oh, that's where it must have gone to. I didn't know where it was. I'm sure we've all got similar types of cover-up stories. You know, one or two. So what's David talking about in this psalm? Well, he talks about when he was trying to cover up his sin from God. And if we go through this psalm, we can feel the emotion all throughout it of what was happening to him as he was trying to cover up his sin. And then more positively, what he felt when he confessed that. But first, let's have a look at when he was trying to keep silent. He's saying his bones were wasting away. He was groaning all day long. He felt God's hand heavy upon him. His strength was sapped. And don't we all, if we try to put on our airs and graces and try to act as if everything's perfect, don't we all feel that weight? See, when I was growing up, we were taught, you come to church and you put on your Sunday best. So, I think that a lot of us carry that over today. As you can see, as you know, this is what I always wear. Uh, <laughs> I'm just glad it's still fitted after I pulled out of the cupboard after a couple of years. Um, but more than that, I often find that when we come to church, we put on our Sunday burst, but not just in our clothing, but we come and pretend that everything's okay, that we're less sinful than we are, that, you know, we're saved, everything's great, everything's fine. We try to project this image of being right with God, 
and sinless when we come to church. When we do that, though, unfortunately, we're cut off from God. Now, David, he saw the light. He threw off all of his Sunday best. He confessed his sin. In this, in verse 5, one verse, you'll see here, as he's throwing off all of his Sunday best, I did tell my wife that I was going to strip in church and she was very, very concerned. Okay, this is where it's stopping, so relax. This is what. But God wants to see us with our faults. He sees through all of our charade. He sees us battered and bruised. In this verse 5, David talks about his sin five times. He uses, in our English version, four words, but in the original Hebrew, three, three words to get it across. His sin, the inequity, and the transgressions. See, he's acknowledging not just when he's gone the wrong way, his sin to God, but also his transgressions, his actual willful rebellion against God. And more than that is the iniquity. The iniquity is him saying it's the immoralness in his actual character or nature. He's confessing all of this to God. And the best thing is that God forgives him. You see there, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. It's lifted off of him. He's laying it all out on the line, confessing everything to God. And we too need to shed you know, our pride in our appearance before others and humbly come before God and acknowledge our sinfulness. God's okay if we come to church like this. Heck, no, I won't, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> um, see, we're all sinful and fall short of, God, of God's glory. Let's look at another person in the Bible, Paul. Now, I apologise, I didn't put up, this comes from 1 Timothy 1, verse 15 and 16. See, Paul, as a lot of us will have grown up with, is held up as one of the greatest apostles. But this is what he has to say about himself. He is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. If Paul can say that he is the worst of sinners, how can I stand up here and pretend that I'm sinless? that I'm good. If Paul says he is the worst, I am that much worse. So, when we start confessing our sins, what does David say happens? We're blessed. Our sins are forgiven. The guilt of our sin is lifted off us. So, once that sin and that guilt's lifted off us, does that mean life's going to be easy? Everything's going to be rosy? No. We see here in verse 6 and 7, there's still going to be troubles. The mighty waters will rise around us, but he will protect us. The waters aren't going to reach us and destroy us. 
Our blessing comes from his love and mercy through those tough times. Verse 6 also contains a warning to us, though. It says, while you may be found. See, time's running out. This isn't an unlimited offer. There is going to be a time when it's going to be too late for us to confess our sins and seek God's forgiveness. He knows the content of our hearts. And if we're just trying to cover it up ourselves to make it on our own, he knows our hearts. In verses 8 to 10 here, God speaks through David. He tells us he's going to teach us the way with a loving eye. See, God's not here looking down on us, judging us constantly. He's looking down on us with a loving eye. He wants us to come to him. You see in verse 9, he doesn't want us to be like the horse or the mule that has to be, you know, controlled by a bit. While we were still sinners, he freely forgave us. Through his mercy, not through our efforts. And that's why he wants us to come to him, through his unfailing love. Now, you may have noticed in verses 1 and 2, I did skip over one of the more important parts. See, David says, we are forgiven, we're blessed. But how are we blessed? How are we forgiven? Why are our sins not counted against us. They're not counted against us through our efforts, but through Jesus. See, when the paralysed man who was lying on the mat was brought to Jesus, Jesus didn't just say, you know, get up, you're healed. He said, your sins are forgiven. See, Jesus, through his sacrifice clothes us in his sinlessness. It's his sacrifice that covers up our sin, our shabbiness. See, he didn't cover up our sinfulness. He didn't cover up like we would cover things up with shadiness or smoke and mirrors. No, he did it openly. He went to the cross for us while we were still sinners, willingly died for each and every one of us. So what's the outcome when we understand and, for, and accept this forgiveness? Well, as we heard in Matthew 9, 8, when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. They praised God who had given such authority to men. And David follows this up in the psalm. See, once we accept this forgiveness and come before God in humility and openly confess our sins to him, he says, we will rejoice in the Lord and be glad. So I encourage each and every one of us here today, stop trying to cover up our sins. Confess them to God and accept the forgiving sacrifice of Jesus who covers our sins so that we can be right with the Father. How about I pray? Heavenly Father, give you thanks for your grace and your mercy that you sent your Son to die for each and every one of us. 
so that we can come before you in our sinfulness, but that Jesus' love brought out on the cross will cover us so that we're blameless before you on the day of judgment. Amen.